Happy Easter, everybody. As we continue to worship, and just before we get into the message, let's take a second and, and pray together. Wherever you're at, uh, let's, let's just pause with one another and go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. And that's never changed. Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and well today your power, that your majesty is known and Holy Spirit, thank you for being everywhere that your people are. And so we can trust that though we're not together physically, we can trust that your spirit is with us and guiding us. And now as we open your word, we ask that you would speak to us. As we look through the scriptures, we ask Jesus that you would be the living, that you'd work in our hearts, that you'd soften our hearts, that you'd open our eyes, that we would be able to see Easter in a, a new way today. Thanks. We pray all this in your name. Amen. For the last few months, I've been really excited about this week as we're starting a new series. And we're starting this series looking at the idea of being loved. Now, I've gotten feedback from people that we are a loving church. When people come and visit us physically when they can, that they experience love. But I've also noticed from us that we get tired. And as I went to God in prayer, I started to get this sense that he was inviting us to realize how deeply loved that we are. And if we realize this, if we allow God to change our heart on this, I think we will love others with a different kind of engine, with a different kind of authority, with a different kind of energy when we are reminded of how deeply loved that we are. And so for the last few months, I've been praying about this day. For the last few months, I've been excited about starting this series, and then this pandemic happened. And this pandemic has done a lot of things, but one of the things I've noticed is it's dug up a lot of questions. Each of us have our own, but then there's some collective questions that we're asking. And some of the questions are even around love. There's the question of, is there power in love? Does love really change anything? Or does love just momentarily make things better? We've all heard stories of doctors and nurses who seem to be loading onto planes and going to New York and, and to New Orleans and up into Detroit and different places that have become hot spots in this pandemic. And these doctors and nurses are putting their lives on the line. They know that they, as they go treat patients with the coronavirus, that they may get it and they may never return home. And yet for love and for kindness and for goodness, they're loading onto the planes. I heard a story of an older couple that had been married for about 50 years. They both got the coronavirus. They both ended up in the hospital sick at the same time and they died six hours apart. That's a testament to, to love and the power of love, and yet it still makes us wonder, does love change anything? There's this old saying, and I, I don't even really know where I heard it, but I know that I grew up hearing this saying that I love you to death. Maybe it was my mom or my dad or my grandparents. Maybe it was my sister or brother. They're real loving. I don't know who it was, but I remember hearing, I, I love you to death, and it has stuck in my mind. And 
And it's something that I've heard. It's something I've even experienced at some times. I feel that way towards my wife and my kids, my dear friends, that I would do anything for them. Jesus talks about this too in, in John 15. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay one's life for one's friends. And so we see that, that Jesus calls us to this kind of love for other people. And we see this happening around us in, in the news, if you're paying attention, of these doctors and nurses and people that are doing so much for love. And yet it ends up feeling like death is this heavy ending. And it's heavy in the air. Good Friday felt really different. I felt like I understood Good Friday a little more as the air just felt thick. And then today is Easter. And today we celebrate that Jesus loved us to death. But I want us to understand something quite unique about Jesus. And the real reason that we celebrate Easter is this. Jesus loved us to death and back to life. And that changes everything. So we all know of Paul. Paul pastored many churches from a distance, and one of those churches was in Rome. And he wrote them this letter before he even went and met them. He wrote them this letter trying to, to help speak to unity in the people that felt real divided. They felt afraid. They felt anxious. There was this dark cloud of the empire that hung over them as they lived and tried to live out this fact that Jesus loved them to death and back they're trying to live it out and Paul writes this letter of encouragement and there's this verse that you probably know really well but we're going to look at it this this Easter we're going to unpack it together the verse goes like this for I am not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith to the Jew first and also to the Greek let's look at this and in a couple different segments as we think of Easter today. First, this idea of being not ashamed. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I was trying to live my best for Jesus like, like a lot of us were in high school and I equated most of that as morality. And, and so I'm just trying to figure out how to live for Jesus, how to love Jesus and all of this. And this verse was big. This was a verse that we were all taught to memorize and we're all taught to live out, and this idea of not ashamed was a big deal. But honestly, it, we believed in this kind of counterfeit understanding of not ashamed. We equated not ashamed to being not embarrassed. We somehow thought that Paul was saying, I'm not embarrassed of the gospel. We took that to mean that maybe some of us would bring our Bibles with us when we went places. We would dare wear a youth group t-shirt or a Christian t-shirt we would tell our friend that we were praying for them or maybe even invite them to something. We thought that Paul's great invitation here is that we didn't have to be embarrassed of the gospel and we could still be cool and we can invite people into this life. Paul's not talking about your Christian t-shirts. He's not talking about you reading your Bible in public. That's not what he's talking about. Paul's talking about being not ashamed. He's talking in a culture where people thought that he was absolutely ridiculous to think that the new, good news of Jesus Christ was more powerful 
than the good news of Rome. If that was absolutely ridiculous, that he would pledge allegiance to Jesus, and that he would look out for the poor and vulnerable and needy, instead of pledging allegiance to the empire and to those who were in power. People thought he was ridiculous for believing that love was more powerful than fear, for believing that there was a freedom that came from following this man named Jesus. And what Paul is saying in this verse is that he knows that he will never be dishonored for his faith. He knows that he will never be disappointed or let down by the gospel. But this gospel is not just a list of rules. It is not intellectual assent. This gospel is the power of God. And we need to realize this, friends. When we have our faith in the gospel, in the power of God at work, we will never be ashamed. It might not play out the way that you imagine that it will, but you will never be ashamed. You will never be disappointed. You will never be uh, dis dishonored. No, because it is the power of God. Let's remember what this gospel is, right? Genesis 1 opens up with you and I being the beloved, the image bearers of God. We're given all authority to represent God in all of creation, and then we give that authority over to lesser things. We start to worship things like knowledge, knowing more. We start to worship pleasure and comfort. We bring on death and decay. Lesser things start to build systems to be able to remain in power and ensure survival, and we stay plugged into these, forgetting who we are. We forget that we are image bearers. And we go to these lesser things. And we die a little more and a little more. And then God comes in the flesh in Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. And he shows us a completely another way to live. And here's the thing about that. The death that, that happened that started with us worshiping lesser things, this death was threatened. And so death and decay gathered up all of its power that it could find to put Jesus on the cross. This is what we find in this section of, of Luke 23. Verses 44 through 48 say this. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Well, the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and then Jesus crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what he had taken place, he praised God and said, certainly this man was innocent. See, everything had gone dark. The sun didn't come out and light the skies, and yet at the same time, the curtain that separated God and us, well, that curtain was torn in two. And it took death, all that it had, to get Jesus on that cross. And all that death had, it, it, it was taken from it as, it as death put Jesus in the grave. And death roared its loudest, but it did this while being completely unaware that all of its authority, all of its power was gone. And like that wizard in the Wizard of Oz, well, 
It wasn't really that powerful any longer. So the systems, the structures, the mindset that the death and decay required, well, they, they were still barking, but they were toothless. And all that authority and all that power was with Jesus. And then, the first day of the week, at early dawn, now let's sidestep for just a second here. Sometimes we need to be ready at early dawn. Sometimes we need to be set at early dawn. Sometimes we need to be ready to experience something that God has. Sometimes we can't sleep. Sometimes we can't rest. Sometimes we can't find what it is that we need inside of us. And so we need to just be ready and expect it early in the morning. We need to be ready to encounter God. And that is what happens on this day. Sometimes we wake up early because we can't sleep. And in well, Luke 24, verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb. Taking the spicing, spices that they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. Well, they were perplexed about this. Suddenly, two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. There's a few words in here that stand out to me. First of all, this word perplexed, that's a great word. Perplexed stands out because these women got up early in the dawn, but they got up to go and do what death had taught them to do. See, living in this life, they knew how to handle death. They knew how to honor somebody who had died. And so they, they had gathered the spices the night before, as soon as the Sabbath had ended, and they gathered the spices. And as soon as early dawn hit, they went, they wondered how the, the stone would be moved, and they, they saw that the stone was moved, and they went with the spices to prepare the body. These spices keep the body from smelling as it decays. They knew that a year later they would go back to collect the bones of Jesus and bury him properly. You see, that's how you handle death. And so they went to handle death. They knew how. They would gotten used to living in a world that was dictated by death, dictated by decay. And when they were met with something else, well, they were perplexed. They didn't know what to do. Jesus had told them that he would rise, but, but they just didn't even know, and so they're perplexed. Not picking on them, everybody who hears this story, you, me included, are perplexed. Another word that I loved in here is this word dazzling clothes. I imagine this is the beginning of the Easter outfits. This is where we get our eyes that see, forget the frock shirts and our sport coats, the Easter hats and all of the fanciness. These two angels are waiting there in dazzling clothes, shining bright as these women look in, wondering where Jesus was. They are perplexed. The clothes are dazzling, all of this. And then the two men, these angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he's risen. He's risen. He'd always said that he would. He had a task to do and all power and authority he had gathered onto himself. And so he rose conquering death. And as we see in Romans 1, this is the power of God for all who believe. That is the gospel. 
That's the power of God for all who believe. It will not leave you ashamed. It will not leave you disappointed. It will not leave you wanting. Now, some of us think that we're the exception to this all who believe. Some of us think we're a little too close to death. We're a little too close to decay. We've invested too much in the systems and structures that our sin have designed. But let me tell you, your sin is not more powerful than his love. It's just not. And this is an issue of power. And the things that you've done and the things that you've thought, the things that you've invested your worship in are not more powerful than Jesus. They're not more powerful than the love that loved you to death and back to life again. You see, his love is greater than death. And all authority and all identity he restored to all who believe in him. The psalmist writes of this in Psalm 8. We'll pick up in verse 3 where it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you're mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, that you've made them a little lower than God? And crown them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet. You, me, we've been restored by love. We're who we're meant to be through love. And this is Easter. This is you. This is me. Sure, this year the, the backdrop is the pandemic. And death is roaring again. I get that. But we, we can look to the cross. And we can look to the fact that Jesus calls us to carry the cross. And some of us are suffering. And some of us have lost jobs or lost family or lost health, lost sleep over anxiety and all these things. I know the systems and structures of death and decay, the principalities and powers built against us are roaring right now. But let me tell you, you have been loved to death and back. And so we can look at that cross that you carry, we can look at the cross that Jesus went to and know that that is not the end. We can remember that death has lost its sting because he's risen. He's risen in Nothing is greater. There is no greater power than the fact that Christ is risen. Now we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks, but I want you to remember that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Alive in me. It's the Holy Spirit at work. And so again, like Paul... You and I can say the same word, saying, I am, I'm not ashamed. I'm not disappointed or left wanting for the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God at work for those who love him. And so whatever you're facing today, whatever I'm facing today, we get to remember who Jesus was, and we get to celebrate who Jesus is, and we get to celebrate that death gave its best Jesus conquered it all. And he did it for love. 
beloved to death and back to life. That it's who you are. And that's how great our Jesus is. He invites us to remember him. And he told us exactly how to do it. He told us when we get together to eat. Anytime that we really get together to eat, when we're as a body and gather to worship when it's big festivals and celebrations we're to take bread we're to take the bread and we're to break it and we're to remember that it is like his body which was broken for you and for me because our worship had led us to, to worship smaller things led to death and decay, and so his body was broken for us. Then we're to take the cup, and we're to drink of the cup, and remember that his blood was shed for you and for me, but this is not a somber moment, friends. This isn't done in sadness, this is done in rejoicing, because Jesus conquered this all, sure. It, death broke his body, and death poured his blood, but he conquered death and is alive now chooses to live within you and live within me. There's no greater story than that story. And so from where you are, I want you to know deep in your core that he is risen. And he's risen for you. He's risen for us. He's risen for a time like this. As this pandemic barks and roars, we can have all compassion for one another. We can all have all patience for one another. Because we know that this love will not run out. And we know that this love does not lack power. This love has conquered all. He's risen. He's risen indeed.